Welcome to Garage Night, where car things are said. I'm Randall, and I'm joined by my co-hosts... Jeff. And I'm Andy. And tonight we're going to be talking about automotive endeavors, resto mods, and more. So let's uh, start off with what we've been doing. Uh, Jeff is the uh, longest gone from the show. Welcome back. Um, What have you done in the past uh, six weeks or so? You know, honestly, not a whole lot. Um, I have been okay, kind of moving just, on. And yeah, moving on. Let's get uh, a short segment tonight. No, um, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you've done something between now and. I then. have done a few things, I guess. Um, I retunneled my drive line in my Chevy, um, so I recut the floor out, reshaped it, put the seat back in. That sounds like. I mean, it was more work than I'm probably making it out to be, but it wasn't very fun. But. Uh, it really helped with the driveline hitting the floor. So no longer hits the floor. I've been, I've loaded people in it now and driven around and no big issues over speed bumps or anything. So pretty happy with it. Uh, looks yeah. Last time, last time we talked, you had gone on a, a trip and had put people in it and it was, and it was making a lot of racket fully loaded. Oh yeah. No, it was resting on the driveline. So oh, um, yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't actually take it with people in it. Um, and so what I ended up doing was, uh, I, God, I guess I haven't even told you guys. It's been a while, so maybe I do have more updates. Um, so the Chevy transmission never was shifting right. Um, I had issues with the uh, 700R4 in it that was rebuilt by the guy that I told you guys about. And um, he, I took it back to him and ended up making it worse, uh, <laughs> if that was possible. Still, it was missing third gear, probably every other shift. Um, it was really, really bad. It was almost undrivable at this point. And so I called uh, a different transmission shop. I kind of just gave up on the other guy. Um, this guy, this this transmission shop is local to me. I told him kind of what I had. And, you know, I'm like, you know, it's just a hot rod. Um, you know, can you guys help me out here or what? And, you know, I was going to dig into it myself, but I just, I need that car right now. Like, I my Bronco's away. My Mustang's not registered. I've got the Falcon and the Chevy, and those are what I'm relying on. And they're honestly my most reliable cars. But um, they, uh, you know, the Falcon is is top at 60 miles an hour, and you know I like having a backup to that backup. You know what I mean? Like uh, so. Uh, anyway, so I, I contacted the company right up the road for me, and, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we we've done 700 R4s, blah, blah blah. I got a line on one right now. You know if you want it." I'm like, "Cool." And he's and he said you know it's a later model. He said he won't rebuild the early ones, which I found out mine was an early. It's an '85 7 around four. And so he said, yeah, just bring it in and we'll swap out the one that I got over here. I said, cool. Well, a couple days goes by. I call him and he's like, hey man, any luck with that transmission? He's like, dude, the dude sold it out from under me. I'm still trying to find one. I'm like, well, I got a seven. I got a guy that I know that has a four wheel drive one, 700 R4, like sixty thousand miles on it. it. Would that work? He's like, oh yeah, for sure. We'll swap the output shaft. Okay, cool. So I went up, drove up to, uh, uh, what was it, not Chehalis, Woodland, and uh, up in Washington and picked it up. And uh, so dropped it off with him, and he combined kind of the two transmissions, put it together, just a nice stock rebuild, nice easy shifts, no banging gears or anything. And, man, the thing just drives great, dude. It is so comfy. No more, like, first-gear chirp, like, I was so used to you guys have ridden in the car. You know how hard it banged first gear, and I was so used to that. I had to brace myself on that one-two shift. Like I'd hold myself against the steering wheel a little bit, like just preparing for it, and it never happened on the on the on this new transmission. It just shifted so nice, and like you know, just it just felt like a good stock transmission. It's not as good as the the 540, but it's it's really good. So I was super happy with how that came out, um, and so I. I after I got it all done, I cruised the car out to uh, Hood River in the Dalles and uh, took some pictures out in front of uh, some of the old buildings. Um, and uh, I did the same trip the weekend prior with the Falcon. I went out. We went out to uh, out towards Estacada, up through the forest, up on 224, up through all the back roads, up through Timothy Lake, and then back down Hood River um, and down back down 84, back in um, Portland. And uh, it was a great just epic trip, man. It was so cool. Just, I love that little car, even though it has no power, you know, it's just that little engine that always could, you know? And so we had a good time cruising around in that. And then, um, you know, after I kind of hadn't touched cars for a while and 
uh, was talking to the painter. He uh, got his paint my Bronco, and he got he got some paint on the on the top of the Bronco on the cowl. Um, all of the inside of the Bronco is painted, and he continued blocking out the outside. And he's he's right now he's reassembling it, and getting it ready for paint. So he's aligning the doors, getting the tailgate aligned, all of that stuff, getting it ready to go take it down to his booth and spray it. So um, it's bleeding over a little bit. Like I talked to him about, it. I'm like, dude, I want to pay you a little more because you're doing really good work. And he's like, I'm gonna ask you about that. He's like, I added up my hours, I'm making less than minimum wage. I'm like, yeah, that's not okay, man. So like, I'm cool with paying you a little more. You're doing done killer work. So um, so I'm gonna be paying a little more than four grand, which was you know honestly like such a good deal. It was kind of like, oh man, that seems like it's you know for all the work you're doing is kind of low. Um, anyway, so that's that's making good progress. Um, I uh, I started digging into the uh, Chevy just this weekend on the driver's side door. It never fit quite right. So you're going down the road, the door would kind of bang in and out. It was like the uh, it was like the hinge was sloppy or something. Not the hinge, but the uh, the striker or something was sloppy. The latch, and <clears throat> I found a bunch of cracks where the uh, latch uh, is bolted to the sheet metal of the door. Like when the guy that owned it before me, he tried to pry the door open because it was seized. And all of the metal around that was all cracked and spiderwebbed out from one of the one of the poles, the screws that, that mounted. So welded all that up, and that seemed to help a little bit. But uh, I noticed that the spring on the striker plate was uh, was really kind of loose. It was uh, the the passenger side didn't have an issue. It was a really tight spring, and the one on the driver's side was pretty pretty soft. And so I ended up digging through my old parts bin, and I had a, another striker plate, and I threw it on and man good as gold now man it's it's sweet um so it's, it shuts really nice door shuts good so i'm pretty happy with that and um you know i don't know if i told you guys i fixed my uh motor mount issue that i had where the fuel pump was resting on the frame um and i uh, i rebuilt my transmission cross member on the chevy as well and uh this uh this weekend i pulled the mustang kind of out of pseudo storage sitting on the side of the house getting moss and shit on all over it so um, i ended up washing it and um i uh clay barred it waxed it and uh pulled the door uh, one of the door doors was seized uh shut and so i uh, pulled the door lock actuator out and freed it up it was actually just kind of like seized shut from from rust just sitting there and uh, I got it all cleaned up and uh, put it back together with a new boot on it and just finished that up today and got a new battery for the car because the battery unit was like six years old. And so now it's great. So I, I also ordered new exhaust for it, um, just tailpipes that need to be welded on. So I'm going to be getting those this week, putting those tailpipes on because uh, my exhaust was rusted out, which is why it wouldn't pass DEQ. So um, those are all my updates for the last, I think, six weeks. I'm sure I missed stuff, but that was kind of it. Oh, another exciting story. So uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but not too much. Um, Shelly's Ford Escape she has, 2006 Ford Escape, uh, her transmission went out. She was driving to work, and it just stopped going. It had no indication, no shift flares, nothing weird. It just wouldn't go into gear just that it was just like it was just revving all the time so i didn't have my bronco my falcon sure shit wasn't going to tow it so i grabbed the tow rope and drove my chevy down uh this big hill down in trowdale and uh hooked her up to the chevy and towed, towed her <laughs> home. which i mean i just i would have loved to have seen the looks on people's faces seeing this old like rat rod car like She's driving with her blinkers on, you know, and, and has this tow rope, you know, towing her along. And they see this old car in front of her. They're like, oh, that car's probably broke down. You know, she's got her blinkers on. She's following him. Oh, wait, no, the car's pulling him. What? <laughs> like, you know, I just, I would have loved to have seen that. So, uh, so anyway, so that was kind of an interesting thing that happened. And so I towed her in the shop. And so she had her transmission rebuilt. Uh, ended up a bearing inside of her transmission had grenaded itself. And all of the metal from that bearing got into all the bands and the and clutches inside of the transmission and just just shredded them. So her like she she got we we towed it to the house and I checked her fluid just to see if it was low. And it was just sparkly, it looked like metallic paint on a low rider. It was like not good. 
the it was brown and it was it was sparkly and I'm like yeah you got a real problem so let's go to the shop and, and get this done so that's it for me how about you Andy what do you do well a ton on cars we finished up the landscaping and whatnot at the house car wise the focus battery still been giving me intermittent problems it i hadn't driven it for about two weeks and of course i go out to take it out and it was dead again so i think it's time i suck it up and just buy a battery for it they're in the same boat i was in yeah i've just been every time i went to go get my mustang it was dead (laughs) yeah i've just been putting it off because i haven't needed it really constantly yet so it's been kind of back murdered um mustang is just about i think i've just about got it buttoned up the only thing i really have left to do on it is either get the the exhaust solenoids taken off and fixed or replaced they're still not wanting to close all the way um the vibration we got taken care of um I realized that I hadn't had the wheels and tires on that balanced in probably three or four years since I had them powder coated. And there's, I've rotated them a couple times. And of course, you know, lower carts, camera wearing them, uh, you know, a couple of the tires pretty good. So I, I took the tires and wheels off and had them re rebalanced and they were off a good bit. Um, a couple of them, the weights were completely missing from the inside, those little tape weights they put on there. So we got got that fixed, put him back on the car, took it out, and uh, the vibration went away. So we're making progress there. That's not a whole lot for me. (laughs) Um, We did have a early to mid-2000s SVT party at the house for about a week here. We had the the Cobra and the Focus out in the driveway, and my dad drove his Lightning over, so it looked like an SVT party in in the driveway for about a week here. That's a party no one wants to attend. Yeah, I know. All the, all the, Scooby, kids, the Scooby kids in the neighborhood were giving me dirty looks. It's just like a party full of like cheap, brittle plastics from like the early Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at it too hard. You'll blow up those fine off. They're fast, though. Like, that's the thing is, is as cheap as uh, Ford SVTs may be, they were... They were affordable and fast. Right. Even the Focus is not, I mean, it's it's completely stock, but it's still quick. It's still zippy, you know? For how little's actually done to those over a stock one, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're, they're really a good version of that car. They are. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, they didn't do a ton to them, but what they did, they did right. And yeah, they're just... They're maintained. They're great drivers. The the AC went out in the Focus. Actually, that's something that happened. I got to figure that out. Dude, your dad is like a Jedi with AC. Man. <laughs> yeah, like no problem. I know he he was over here, but he we didn't have any of the the tools with us. To look at it. So that. So do you think it's compressor or out of uh, R twelve or what? No, it's one thirty four on that. But I don't, okay. I don't think it's out. I I bought a can to. Um, to top it off to see if that was a sit if it was just low, but it didn't really help. I mean, the um, I can hear it, you know, I can hear the clutch clicking on and off, on and off, but I don't know Propane. what it is. It's, it's clicking on and right back off really fast, just cycling, so I don't know what the problem is. Sounds like maybe your trinary or binary switch might be an issue. Who knows? They have, a, they have like a low-pressure switch. I talked to your dad about this. this is the only reason I know this. Because <laughs> I asked him about my AC on my Chevy. Yeah, I still that don't like think a, that trinary is a word. It may not be, but there is a uh, it's a it's a three uh, it's a switch that activates at three different conditions. I, I'm sure mm. it's real. It just sounds like a fake word. Yeah, yeah. That sounds That's, like exhaust bearings. So, yeah. You need, need yeah, some exhaust I mean, some exhaust bearings, and uh, your trinary switch is uh, acting up. Yeah, and mm-hmm. your blinker fluid's low. I don't know, man. Exhaust bearings would a would a turbo be considered a part of I, your exhaust? I had that thought the other day. I'm like, wait a minute, exhaust bearings are a thing. Yeah, <laughs> like turbos have have bearings, and I'm pretty sure they're in your exhaust. 
I, I guess that's generally said as as muffler bearings, which muffler bearings, yeah, because because that's hard to justify. But exhaust bearings, well, you know, I might have to make a muffler that has bearings in it and it has like a thin passage that just spins up as you accelerate. You're <laughs> such an engineer. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I only want to do it so that way people when they say muffler bearings, that way I can say, you know, it's a real thing. Check this out. It's a real thing and it costs eighty nine fifty to to replace every two years. Yeah. <laughs> or every ten thousand miles. Or every ten thousand miles. Every every two oil changes. You have to do two two oil changes every ten thousand. Please. Oh, you do one every ten thousand, don't you? Uh huh. I'll do three every ten thousand. <laughs> the the Cobra gets about one a year, which is every three hundred. So, yeah, roughly. <laughs> I had a garage yeah. queen. I, I know four times the gas, maybe. The Falcons were notorious for having small oiling passages. So if you don't change the oil regularly, they will uh, they will not have enough oil to the top end of the motor and eat themselves. And they're oh, that's nice. So you have to be good. Yeah, you have to be good about oil changes. No, oh, just put a V eight in there. Yeah, that fixes everything. I think I should just put a 2JZ in it and then make the car please. stupid fast and awesome. break everything. Please do. 3JZ. <laughs> Three Can you imagine that little car, like 2,200 pounds with a 2J in it? That would just be the stupidest thing in the world. There there might not be anything stupider than that. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds like a challenge. Well, I'm not going to get into politics, but um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did actually. Speaking of, of politics, one of the things I did automotively over the last few days is I had a business trip down to California last week, and so on the way on the flight down, uh, I was looking through uh, the on-flight entertainment movies, and they had the John DeLorean. Uh, documentary, you know, one of uh, about 300 of them. Who's yeah. that? Well, John DeLorean. He says the engineer. <laughs> it was a documentary. I just slept through it. No, it was actually really good. Um, Cause they, they did something that I haven't seen before. Uh, so in documentaries, you will see reenactments done. Yeah. But what they did know, is. I've never seen one. <laughs> ah, that's a lie, you big nerd. Here comes the derail uh, train. And instead of just doing that, they had um, Alec Baldwin playing uh, John DeLorean uh, with prosthetic makeup and all sorts of things. But what it was, was they actually interviewed um, the actors playing the parts of John and John's wife, um, throughout the documentary and so you got to hear alec baldwin talking about how he saw the role and how he saw john delorean growing up um well growing up when they were about the same age but he uh actually at one point had john delorean call him in john's later years and say hey i hear they're maybe maybe making a movie about me an unrelated one to this film and he said, I would love if you would call up these producers and see if you can play me. John DeLorean said this to, to Alec Baldwin, called him uh, a few decades ago. Um, but John's a really, it's an interesting story that I only knew, you know, bits and pieces about. Um, and so to, to kind of watch the whole story without all of the details and try to kind of making a murder it a little bit, trying to decide what he was innocent of, what he was guilty of. Uh, and, you know, they start with his, you know, he's responsible for the GTO and really muscle cars as we know it. And they initially, uh, you know, thought this isn't going anywhere. They only authorized 5,000 GTO models to be built the first year. And it, absolutely destroyed those numbers and started a movement. Um, and, you know, he, they cover his, his moving up and eventually leaving uh, GM, even though he was in line to be the president of it in probably five to 10 years, he was certainly in line, but 
he uh, he wanted to do too much, and he you know called them too conservative with their styling and their engineering, and um, you know eventually went off and made the DeLorean that we all know. And man, if that car company could have held on for two more years, uh, the uh, the fallout from uh, Back to the Future probably would have rocketed them to being a successful company. Um, but I won't blab- blabber on too much because it's it, there's there is two hours of content about John DeLorean and you know the later legal battles um, that you need to see all of the information about. Um, even if you're not a documentary person, there are a handful of documentaries that I wholeheartedly think that anyone, whether you like cars or not, would enjoy. And that is Senna. Uh, that is about Ayrton Senna, the F1 driver. Um, and this uh, uh, John DeLorean, uh, which I will, I'll put a, a link to because I don't remember the exact name of it because it's a bit tongue-in-cheek because there have been so many failed John DeLorean movies. Um, but this is this is one that I'd recommend for anyone. Jeff, you, you must know something about John. You are a big uh, classic car kind of a, a person. Dude, that's a pretty modern car to me. I don't know what you're talking about. but uh, It's 20 years ago. <laughs> <No, I, laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I've seen a little bit about him. Um, I can't say I'm an expert, and I can't recall a lot off the top of my head, but I do know there were some interesting things that happened and, and went down with his uh, career that were kind of, like he, I felt like he got shafted a few times from what I remember. I'd have to, I'd have to watch the documentary or reread some of what I've read. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but it's called Framing John DeLorean. Oh uh, yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. a Sundance, it's a Sundance movie. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not that simple, and there are turns in it, and they mentioned that this would be a great movie to make like an actual theatrical film of and after watching ford versus ferrari and then watching this documentary this could be at that level Mm. the movie could be the movie could be and the the uh it's an hour and 50 minutes i highly recommend framing john delorean um because he was there are layers to him i just gotta say though like on a on a on a level here when i go to watch a movie at night and I'm thinking, do I want to watch a documentary? I never do. I'm like, I would much rather watch some meaningless killing and, you know, whatever violence than watch a documentary. But if you say it's good, I trust you. I watched John Wick 2 on the way back up, which also the opening of that is a wonderful automotive movie as yes. well. Which the was this? Open, opening of John Wick 2. Uh, I haven't it, seen that. I really hear it's good, though. Yeah, just the whole series is really good. You need to watch the whole series. It's one of the best because it's not mindless killing. It's actually one of the best done action movies of our generation. Um, What what uh, what what is John Wick two on? Where can I where can I view this? uh, It's on the Delta flights. (laughs) 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 Dude, that's probably the cheapest way to get it right now is to hop on a Delta flight to New York and back. Hey, you can get one cheaper than a Blu-ray player. <laughs> I know it's not on Netflix. I was just watching it the other day. I'm trying to figure out what it was on. No, I, I couldn't find it on Prime or Netflix, so I don't know. I, I, I looked it up. There, speak, while we're on documentaries, though, there, there was a good one um, that I had watched recently. Where was it? But was there's, that- there's good. There's good. It starts with a, uh, I believe it's a Chevelle SS and then a uh, 1969 Mustang. Uh, they're both really modified and it's very dark, but, uh, yeah, it starts with a lot of, a lot of car stuff. So I gotta say, um, this is a, a, a bumpy transition, but also a good one. Um, I had, uh, been watching fast and loud and, uh, I know there's a lot of opinions about that show, but I find it at least entertaining to say the least. Um, but they did a bullet, Mustang uh, recreation of the original bullet 
but instead of the 390, they put a 428 in it. And dude, oh, that car. I got to say, when you watch that car next to like the original Charger, uh, the the Mustang wins every single day, hands down, in terms of style. Like, I, I love the, the, the Charger. Like, I love that car. But when I look at it next to a 68 Fastback Mustang, Highland Green, there's no comparison. There is nothing. There is no comparison at all in the world that you can make that that Charger is better looking than that Mustang. Those Mustangs are gorgeous cars in that color. That is the that is the best color that car ever came in. Definitely. And man, man, they, you won't, so they, you won't hear me yeah, you, you're, you're talking the best Mustangs are green color. Talking to two guys with two green Mustangs. Yeah, we're not going to disagree. Well, one guy with a green Mustang. Hey, hey, there's, well, there's, there's been three green Mustangs and, between and, the two of us. You're not going to get a disagreement. <laughs> two of us still have our Mustangs. One of us traded in for one of those foreign cars. <laughs> <laughs> this this foreign car is faster than your hot rod you built. So. <laughs> It's faster but than all my cars, you, dude. If you think about it, too, Randy, we, we we had two of the rarest color combinations, too. We really did. With with greens. Yeah, dark highland green, man. It's such a good color. I I would paint my dog dark, dark highland green <laughs> if my wife would like me. But... <laughs> so so I was watching anyway on on the show. I was watching. Um, yeah, it does look paid. good. The fast and loud one does look good. Like they didn't. I don't see anything ruined. I'll have to watch. Uh, the bit, but everything looks great from the outside. It's season 15, episode one to save you some time. But uh, um, it was uh, it was really cool, man. Like I like that was that was that car was my jam when they were doing it. And they they paid twenty two thousand dollars for a shell with rust, like twenty two grand for a 68 Mustang shell with rust. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, it's well, yeah, it, again, you're. On the show, you know, they have unlimited budgets. But, dude, dude, I'm telling you, like, I look around and you cannot find a 67, 68 Mustang. No, they've all, they've all been bought and restored. They're all gone. They're gone. Yeah. And the ones that you can find are 10 grand and they're rotten. They're yep. garbage. You have to remake everything. Yep. 10 grand. Like, and you, you might as well just get one of the um, – oh, who's that company that makes – there's a couple of companies that make new shells. They make a reproduction shell, Dearborn. I, I think, think I thought it was yeah, Dearborn and Year One, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but those are twenty fifteen thousand dollars shells or something like that. Like they're fifteen grand for a body. Gosh. Yeah, versus ten grand. You save a few grand and it's full of rust. You got to replace it anyway. Yeah, and if and if and if those bodies are at all like the uh, the reproduction hoods that they make or reproduction grills that they make, they're garbage. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying they are. But uh, but honestly, dude, like I don't know, man. There's something about that car. Like one day I gotta have one. I gotta have a dark highland green Mustang. You like, really, you really do. love that one. Like I mean, if I had a four speed three ninety dark highland green Mustang, that would just be the bee's knees, dude. That would just be the best car. I'd be done. That's the only one I need. I I'm I'm good. I'm set. There's and lots of cool is. cars, but man, yeah, <laughs> I'd give up the opportunity to own other ones if I could have that. God, the car is just so good. I'm I'm oozing now just because I think of that car and just the sound <laughs> of watching that that scene with with Steve McQueen. It's and, not even uh, a great car, like from like objectively, like it's no. not. It's not going to handle super well. The 390 is going to be too heavy on the front end. Like, there's some major issues with that, but. The fun factor would be unreal. The styling, the sound of that car, the the skinny torque thrust that you can burn for three miles if you want. Like <laughs> they're just so like that whole car, like the black vinyl interior, the the round gauges looking back at you, you know, just that rumble and shake of the engine. Like it's everything that you want in a in a dope ass car. Like it is so cool, dude. I don't know. I I've ridden in a few. Like I don't, I don't know. I've never. I I don't own a muscle car. I don't I don't have one. My Mustang's the closest thing to it. But I rode in a in an old friend. He had a uh, uh, he had a uh, El Camino with like a built 350 in it. 
and do just a feeling of like riding in a muscle car is something cool. Like, I don't know how many, if you guys have got experience one, but like there's something special about that, but I couldn't imagine a four speed. What about, what about our, our buddies, um, blue one, the blue 65. I never got to ride that. The comment. No. Um, Oh, Corey. Yeah. No, Rob. Yeah, no, I, haven't, I haven't got a ride in his car. That's a cool car, though. That no, was I'm, a, think, that I'm was... thinking of Rob. Oh no, I never got a ride in Rob's either. He never took me for riding it. He had a he had a uh, he had a red one. I could have sworn we did ride in that. This is this is probably uh, aside from the show at this point. Um, <laughs> I swear, you and I went out because um, I I still remember where he lives out in a kind of Gresham-ish area. Yeah. Um, and we went out and we met him out there and I know we went for a ride in something and it wouldn't have been his dad's. So it had I to have been his. Didn't we, we saw him in a parking lot. We were out in our Mustangs. We saw him in a parking lot and we, we, he invited us back to hang out at his garage for a few minutes. And I swear, I know I rode in something old that night. I feel, I don't remember riding it. I remember going to his garage cause he showed he showed us his dad's collection of like old cars. He had a uh, maybe I just got to sit in one of them. That I oh, mean, we sat in a few of them for sure. Like, okay, because I know I, I I remember running my fingers across the the thin chrome trim pieces on the inside of the glass. Like, dude, uh, there's yeah. just something about the feel of an of a classic car when you're sitting in it. Like, that's that's what drives me nuts about car shows. Yeah, is you get to walk around and look at stuff. But you don't get to touch anything, and yeah, there for me, there's a lot in a car about tech, tactile feel, about sitting yeah. in it, and you sit down in the seat and you feel how how much it gives and the creak, and then you put your hands on the always too thin, too hard rim of the steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know it's got an eighth of a turn of play, but everyone's fine with it, like and. You know, there's the cold steel and then, you know, the early 60s plastics just. Isn't that like a weird experience to you, though? Like, it's it's almost like emotional. Like, you're taking so much in of, like, this time and this place that doesn't exist anymore. Like, it transports you to a different era. Like, honestly, like, houses don't exist untouched from the 60s anymore. Like, you can see little knickknacks and appliances and things like that. but cars really are like that last bastion of like eras gone, you know, like you sit in the 36 Ford that's all original. You're going to be transported to a time that you don't recognize. Like you're just like, what was life like back then? Like it just, it fills you with this whole sense of like creativity and like this little kid kind of like excitement of what, like, I don't know, imagination and everything. Like, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but you take in so much when you're looking at this old bake light wheel that's molded and this beautiful horn button that's like acrylic enamel with like a, you know, a 3D Nash logo on it. Or you have a gauge pod with 10 different gauges in it and they're all just ornate and look like gunship, you know, gauges or, or you know, gun sights or something like that, you know, you know, turned metal dashes and stuff that were factory, you know, just just this amazing you know change and and design departure from what we're so used to now which is hard plastics injection molded pop-in fasteners and you know uh, infotainment you know it's it's totally different it takes you to a different place in time and a different way of thinking i don't even think necessarily that the old stuff was better mind you it's just it's alien and it's different Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, I grew a, up, different time. I grew up with some old stuff, but and the, the weird thing to me though now, it, and, and it's weird because like everything I own except the Mustang is old. Uh, and even by most people's standards, the Mustang is old. So when I go get in the Mustang and I fire it up, I'm like, you know, this is actually pretty comfy. This is actually pretty nice. Like it's, it's not loud and rattly, kind of, kind of smooth, you know, it's got a leather interior, it's soft, like. It's weird, and, and then I get in a new a new car like uh, like Charlie's parents just bought a 2020 uh, Explorer, and I get in that, and I'm just like, this is like a spaceship, you know? Like, there's so much new stuff. Like, the old stuff has become my normal. 
for me, you know, whereas most people, that's not the case. But I love that, you know. I like that new stuff, though. Like, as much as I like that that old stuff, there's, for me, there's something about going, I went through the drive-thru the other day, and I realized the little things that really get it for me. Uh, We were just going through the McDonald's drive-thru because uh, basic white guy. And... (laughs) And so, so I, so I could pull in a little bit closer. I hit this little button, just my pinky can just reach up and tap this little button. The mirrors automatically fold in. And then (laughs) I, I move my ring finger and push down. And with one touch, the entire window comes down. I do my, my, uh, my whole transaction and then, uh, just, pull back on the, on the, on the shifter. And then in one smooth motion, use, you know, one finger to pull up to automatically close the window and another one to pop the mirrors back out. And just in one smooth motion, everything starts happening. And I just start driving along and, you know, the mirrors will pop out on their own at 30 miles an hour. If I leave, leave them alone, like the car just does all of the things I needed to do without me asking it to, you know, and it's, it's a 10 year old car. So they're different things. So I can still appreciate the the new stuff, but it's not as much fun. Yeah, there's something about the old analog, the old analog parts and, and cars and stuff that really invoke more emotion, I think. But the uh, there's a there's a convenience factor that you sacrifice for sure. Uh, and I sacrifice nice, it every day. <laughs> it's nice that the X5 is quiet and comfortable. It's always the temperature I want it to be. Like it's its ability to heat and cool with three layer, you know, three different levels of heated seats and and you know a giant panoramic sunroof. It's the creature comforts are amazing for just just to drive somewhere. Like oh, I want to yeah. get from point A to point B, and that's the happiest I can possibly do it. But mm-hmm. if I want to go from point A and then simply back to point A again, that's a, that's a different thing. Sure, sure. Speaking of your BMWs, what have you been up to with, with your BMWs? Have you done any modifications? And um, have, well, you, have you fixed any problems that I'm sure have happened with your BMWs since they have that you know BMW on the badge? Mm-hmm. One of the ten... Just Bavarian problems. Yeah, Bavarian problems. Couple. Uh, so this week I uh, received my instrument panel back from a company called Best Pixel Repair on the East Coast. Um, I recorded it and made a video, but uh, my computer is very slow and does not like to render uh, video. So just seeing how to work around that, but I'm going to try and get a video up about it. But um, just so. Video. Hmm. Was that like a BMW? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, I took the instrument panel out. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this. Uh, did I mention this when we had uh, Rem on a few weeks back? Yeah, yeah. You were take you had taken the panel out. I think when Rem was on. Okay, so I I, I took it out, and uh, the following Monday I shipped it out, and then not that Friday, but the following Friday. I got it back. So it went to the East Coast, got fixed, got shipped back in less than two weeks. That's not bad. I mean, especially right now, shipping right now is super slow, so that's pretty good. Yeah, I was I was, I was, was pleased. So, uh, and it took me another 10 minutes to put it all back together. Uh, well, honestly, about 25 because of the uh, recording, but it was probably less than 10 minutes of actual effort. Um. And I put it back in, and everything was very simple. Everything kind of just fit back where it needed to go. Uh, all the screws went right in, um, and everything works properly now. The Having the instrument panel and all the message boxes work is really nice because I didn't know that I had a backup light out. And so it told me. It said, check backup light. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I checked them out, and one's out. So... No problem. Even Were I your, uh, turn that. signals out too. Uh, what my what? That switched off. Yeah, exactly. The dash. <laughs> uh, 
that's okay. the that's actually the problem with the nut loose behind the wheel. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's not the the <laughs> That's driving the BMW? Behind the yeah. wheel. Behind the yeah, wheel. Behind the wheel. Yes. <laughs> um, um, so, no, it's it's really nice. And it's, you know, for the cost is probably totally worth it. Uh, just because of the risk. They cost way more than that. And if you mess it up, you got to buy a new one. Eh, that's way more expensive. It's worth letting someone else do it. With that so what you're saying is time. your new side hustle then is repairing BMWs. Because you, you said this was pretty easy, right? Uh, th- this was easy. I'll, I'll replace someone's, uh, instrument panel if they, if they want help. But I mean, <laughs> if I can do it, I'm sure you can find a chimpanzee that'll do it in half the time. What if your control arm bushings in the rear go bad? Are you going to, are you going fi- to, are you going to be repairing those too? Uh, it's not the control arm bushings that go bad. It's the actual subframe bushings. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, right. That's what it is. Even yeah. worse. <laughs> Even worse. Let me tell you what a pain it is rebuilding a complete IRS. What alone in a BMW? That Mustang IRS is four volts. How many is it in a BMW? I I, I don't know. It's probably the fact that it's eleven hundred uh, different grounded wires. Um, oh. <laughs> you like grounding issues, don't you? Slight. I tell you what, though, this car is complicated as it is. Is actually really easy to work on so far. Um, Unless you drill a hole the water for the wiring harness. in a few weeks, yeah, but that's more that's <laughs> that's more of an operator. Um, but like all the wiring in this, there are dedicated ground wire boxes that yeah. are those are properly grounded to the frame, so you don't have to just. And there are open spots, so you can add things in huh. and then be properly grounded. That's kind of nice. They planned ahead on a lot of things because they weren't, you know, trying to design it to a to a you know minimum dollar as as much as a uh, mainstream car is. Again, not elitist. I paid twelve hundred dollars for this car. <laughs> this is you took, super you, cheap. You took Jeff's, the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, "Geez, what an elitist!" It's <laughs> like they thought of everything. From the man who's one of his cars, the Mustang is probably worth ten times what I paid for my BMW. Okay, your price keeps changing on what you bought this car for. You bought it for $1,500. That's what <laughs> okay. you paid for it. <laughs> I remember because I, I, w- I was like talking with you. Not $1,200, not $2,500, $1,500. It was probably I'm, asking I'm glad that you know. to talk him down to twelve. It was It was way too cheap. Is yes. I wouldn't have talked him down. If anything, he probably said twelve hundred, and I probably talked him up to fifteen hundred. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> that sounds like a Randy thing to do. Yeah. Because yeah. remember, you had that heating issue, right? Or no, it was the uh, it was the lights were come on. He's like, I feel bad even selling it to you. So and I'm sell like, it to so you for pay more for it. Uh, and by the way, that went away when I replaced the battery. I have not had that since. So I think it had something to do with. Uh, low voltage causing electrical gremlins because with that battery rounding issues that seems like an engineering overlook i think a <laughs> dfmea would have caught that well at least i don't have to worry about my mass airflow sensor gumming up after five thousand miles <laughs> 500 miles dude 500, 500. <laughs> and that's if the ac plug stays in for 500 miles <laughs> Not when Andy's around, dude. When you're in town and I see you, it's every two weeks. That's true. <laughs> I swear you have a key to that car and you just open the hood and disconnect my AC and take my antenna and hide it. You, you know I was a locksmith for about a year and a half, right? <laughs> I actually Andy's dedicated enough he would do I that. don't need a key for your car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm outside your house right now wearing your skin. <laughs> 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 anyway uh yeah car car's great car's stupid fast really fun um i get texts from you every few days like man i forgot how good this car is man, this car's so good we need to cruise soon <laughs> we, we we really did because i was like man i swear this thing handled a little bit better than this oh well and then i realized i had about 200 pounds of camping gear in the back of it for like a month. <laughs> so I just took all of that back out. Um, 
And yeah, the thing is even better. I'm like, are you yeah, kidding me? Free horsepower. <laughs> um, yeah, I do need to get a spare tire because uh, there's nothing under the trunk floor. Ah. I love that engine, by the way, in that car. Engine's super good. Well, we we kind of talked about you getting one of these that's been like rolled or something and ripping the body off. Yeah. And putting putting some uh, different body on it. That needs to happen at some point. Jeff needs to do that. I just need to find the right car to do it too. So, sounds like and it needs to- sounds like the perfect segue into rest of mods intent. Ooh, God, look at that! That was smooth. Yeah, wow. we got we got like. Yeah, we got like 15 minutes. Let's go for it. Um, let's, let's go. Let's go. Come on, guys. Let's go. So, Restamod. Everyone knows what a Restamod is. It's a little bit of restoration, a little bit of modification. <clears throat> so, everyone's going to have their own threshold, you know, with specific vehicles, with their taste, about how much you're supposed to do to them. I mean, if you had an original uh, Dino Ferrari, probably less acceptable to modify that than a Volkswagen bug, right? And again, then it's going to come down to your personal taste. Do you want something that looks like it came out of Pimp My Ride? Or do you want something that's more subtle? Well, I mean, uh, being hit in the face with a baseball bat is less subtle than Pimp My Ride. But (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I, I, really support the idea of letting people do what they want with their own car. But at the same time, don't take a really nice car and destroy it. If you can get one that's already kind of modified and messed with, modify that one and leave the easily restorable ones to people who want that. Um, 100%. Now, what are your guys' like, favorite and least favorite uh, rest mods? Uh, for me, an easy bad one is wheels. It is mm-hmm. way too easy to put the wrong wheels on a car. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 And you ruin, you ruin a whole build or even a nice new car with a terrible pair of wheels. Like real, you put, like, real quick warning. This is going to be a lot of gatekeeping. Uh, and we're aware of that. This is just our opinion. We're allowed to have opinions. Um, I will say on record that when Andy had his Fobra, he had the worst wheels I'd ever seen on a Mustang. Oh, God. I've seen worse. I've seen worse, but they were Those are the the wheels when I had it, when I first got it. Those were so terrible. Those were probably some of the worst. They were like 18-inch Asantes or something, right? Yeah, they were like straight up like Ninja Blades. (laughs) Yeah, they looked like something out of like Need for Speed Underground 2. Yeah. Um, But they weren't spinning. Like they weren't spinners. (laughs) But they were like... They were up there pretty bad. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. Wheels are, are a great way to ruin a build. Um, I don't know how I feel about resto mods. Like, there's a different – there's different levels of resto mod. Like, I've seen resto mods as crazy as, you know, chopping the top off of a, of a, uh, of a Chevy pickup and, you know, slamming the thing down onto the ground. Um I've seen chop tops. I've seen, you know, uh, you know, fender extensions, wide bodies, all types of stuff. We've all seen that. Um, and then I've seen, you know, stop like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say my Chevy is a, is a resto mod kind of, cause it's got a different engine. It's got a different transmission, it's got a different, you know, modifications to the frame to get a low, but it keeps the same aesthetic. I don't know. Like it's following a kind of a theme um, of being kind of vintage, like I don't know. There's there's a lot of disjoint resto mods in my opinion, and that's where I see, like I, I feel like resto mod gives it a, like it's a bad name because of what so many people have done. It's it's like it's almost like you ruin a a good thing, like upgrading things to you know fuel injection or whatever are great for a lot of people. And, you know, that that when it's done tastefully is done well, but a lot of resto mods, in my opinion, are done poorly. Like they'll put, you know, way too big of wheels on drum brakes and, and you know, uh, paint them red, trying to look like Fast and the Furious or something. And, you know, they'll put the wrong gauges in a car. They'll put, you know, those 
projector headlights in a car that usually has glass halogens, like things that just don't look right, don't fit the the lines of the car, the 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 geometry of the car, like all of that stuff, that artistic aspect of things needs to flow well and it looks very disjoint in a lot of cases with resto mods in my opinion um, i don't know what do you guys think it's kind of handy it really is just a kind of a huge broad category anymore kind of like you were saying you know there's yeah there's you know like with all the stuff you know that's available now you know you probably know my opinion you know i'd throw a coyote in just about anything old right now and have fun with it but mm-hmm. Yeah, Your dad had a really cool Corvette that was a resto mod. Yeah, I guess that was kind of a resto mod. But you should you should tell a quick story about that Corvette because that is a really interesting piece, and it is a resto mod. I mean, as much as anything can be. Yeah, so that's like that, a one of a one off car too. It really was. Really so cool. it was a it was a seventy two Stingray. Um, so it had let me see, it was a seventy two, and I it had the later series. I think it was 74 or five. I can't remember which year it had different um, yeah, side fenders on it that didn't have the vents. Um, and then it had <clears throat> the extra, there are extra wide flares that you glassed into those, um, the, the front fenders and the rear quarters as well too. So it had a, a wide stance on it too. It had um, the, you know, the big block hood on it, you know, the L88 hood, um, it still had a small block in it, but it was, you know, of course, my dad was a hopped up small block, you know, had a big cam and everything in it. You know, it was a decent, you know, decently good horsepower car, but. Um, it, it was a cruiser, right? It, yeah, it was, it, you know, it didn't get driven much at the end before we sold it. But yeah, back in the day, yeah, it was a good cruiser. And um, yeah, I don't know where that car even ended up now. He sold it two or three years ago, I think. It was a gorgeous car. Like, oh yeah. When I, the, so, uh, I, it, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you heard the story of Jeff's fifteen-hour intake swap, or no, twenty-five-hour, <laughs> whatever it was, two-day two intake swap. swap. Well, the next day after the intake swap, I went over to Andy's parents to help with like they had like a trash day or something there. I think it was that weekend, and we were like loading stuff up in the Lightning, and I think your dad got the the Corvette down at some point and moved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We did. It. Yeah. That's right. Did have it out. Yeah. And I was like, I was just in awe at this car. Like it was, it would, he understates it so much. Like it was gorgeous. Like the glass in fenders were seamless. Like you couldn't tell they weren't like riveted on like wide body stuff that you see on a lot of import cars. Like it was really, really well done car. Yeah. Like that was a, that was a, that, that car at auction would have, got a lot of attention oh i'm sure it probably would it was a yeah really i mean and that car was perfect you know because of the way it was built too you know it was it wasn't yeah. anything rushed that when when they put that car together you know from from stock to you know modifying it and everything um between you know my dad and my uncle who owns the corvette shop out there um so they took that car you know took it all apart and everything and did all the modifications all the glass work and all that you know fit it all nice you know, sanded everything, smoothed it out. And that car sat in the back of the shop for about a year and a half. And, you know, just sat not on a jig, not on a frame machine or anything, just sat on the suspension, everything just sat. And every gap and everything that could have possibly moved, you know, in all the seasons shifted and changed. And then they went back and, you know, reblocked the car, resanded everything, shot it, painted it. And that car never had a crack in the 25 years after that in the paint or the glass. And I, so I remember you telling me this, cause I didn't know this about fiberglass at the time. And you're kind of an expert in fiberglass, but if you, if you shoot a car too soon after glassing it, that, that glass is still curing. Right. And it's still settling. It's, it's still so settling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they come if you shoot it, if you shoot it too soon, you'll have issues. The paint will crack or the, 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 you know, the glass isn't quite set. Right. You know, you'll, there's all sorts of issues doing with you know glass itself let alone painting over glass is totally different than painting over sheet metal right and so to to know that they had the foresight when they built the car to do that which i think a lot of guys that do these vets right they want to flip them oh yeah you know, and sell them yeah 
and they want their paint job done, you know, they don't wait that no almost two years to get the right finish. Exactly. Almost nobody out. does. I mean, you know, and I can tell you the volume no. of parts that, you know, that we ship out of there and stuff is going on cars and getting painted right away, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's, yeah, so that never was, had an issue in 25 years. It had, you know, the paint that they've shot on it in the eighties, probably more than that. Now, you know, if we're in 2020, you know, that car's got 35 year old paint on it probably by now. And it, and it, it looked great. Pristine the day know. that he sold it still. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't look like it had aged at all. Like there weren't any imperfections in that car. That was a, right. that was a show car. I wish he would have driven that more. Cause I really wanted to go for a ride in that car. I know. Before you guys got rid of it. Like that was a cool, cool car. It was. You know, as cool as a Corvette can be, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> so, Randy, where's where's your take here? Where do you lie in this debate? Um, I just think it's, uh, I think it's too too tricky to just say what is good and what is bad. But I think if if it's a cool car, if it's if it's your daily driver, if it's a Camry, if it's an Avio, it's not a big deal. But if you have a 66 Mustang, please don't put an Alpine, Alpine head unit in that car. Um, what is nice is nowadays with the touchscreen uh, double-din units especially, you can have all of that off. And at a car show, someone looks in and they just see a black screen, uh, you know, above or below the HVAC and it's not so bad. But when you have, you know, one of those tacky lit uh, deck units, you know, I don't know why they still look that way, uh, you know, 20, 30 years after, you know, they started designing them. No one likes that look. It doesn't look uh, appealing. And I don't know why it can't be a little more elegant. So just try to find the most tasteful one you can. That was my problem with the Mustangs. I always wanted to upgrade the sound system. But between the uh, bad wiring of the mock system that came in factory uh, and just not finding the right head unit, uh, it never got done. Um, even though the six CD changer had eaten a CD and was non-operable and two of the speakers were barely functioning, you know, it never got done because I couldn't find something that wasn't going to look bad. Uh, and now they're starting to come out with more that looks acceptable, uh, in a, in a car like that, because you need to be able to upgrade to Bluetooth so you can, you know, drive safely because people are going to talk on the phone. So if they can at least keep their hands on the wheel, that's better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just find a tactful way of doing it. You want to put EFI on your carbureted vehicle, Holly and Edelbrock and everyone makes a kit that looks at least more like a carburetor. There are yeah. ways to upgrade your car while staying true to the aesthetic that it was born with. Right. Right. And that's that's the one thing that I think I see on a lot of quote unquote resto mods that that people overlook. Like I'll look at a build and I'll say, man, this is this is like ninety nine percent of the way there. Like you've done all the cool mechanical stuff. You've got a good engine in there. You've got the fuel injection or whatever. You've got the rack and pinion steering, but you put LED turn signals in it and you put a head unit in it that looks like it's from a 90s Mitsubishi. And you were that close to making this look like a nice car. Like now it looks tacky. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, and I think that there's so much now, you know, the aftermarket has a few things out there, but I still think they're not very good. Like new retro sound they're They're okay. Um, but they don't look great, but there's stuff that you can do if you just use your head. Like, um, you know, I not to I'm not trying to toot my own toot my own horn at all, but I made a like a Bluetooth. I took a part of Bluetooth heads that's like a speaker and I mounted that behind the original stereo of my car. And so when you look at this car, when you sit in it, like 
you might notice the buttons look a little bit different, but other than that, you could never tell that there was a Bluetooth stereo behind there. And that's the kind of little little things that make a build or break break a build, in my opinion. That's that's um, honestly, same with the turn signals. That's honestly one of my favorite parts of the Chev is is that little that little tweak with that that Bluetooth you know receiver in the back of it. There, it's you'd never know it's there and that you have that capability, but it looks totally vintage. That's yeah. Well, yeah. Restomods, we're we're gonna have to revisit Restomods in a little more um little more detail, uh especially because I'll this will give uh Jeff a chance to kind of look through his cars and and see what he's done that's uh restomod that he would, you know, do again and ones that maybe uh you know he could have done a little bit better, like maybe a lighter subwoofer in the back of the Mustang. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe it doesn't need to weigh the same as you know a middle-aged child yeah. oh dude yeah i don't know if uh <laughs> i don't know if the mustang qualifies as rest of mod but i guess it kind of does but see that's that's kind of what we came in as you know what what considers what's a rest mod and what's just you know doing something to a car and, you know, and i think yeah. right right well while we're there too for those still listening jeff is open has uh, open invitations for paint scheme ideas for the Fox body as well. Oh yeah, please send me your ideas. Um, I'm, I've got a really like the guy who's painted my Bronco. He's he's really doing a great job, and I and he's you know, my Mustang's straight enough that he could literally scuff the thing and shoot it. Um, and uh, you know, with a little bit of body work, of course, um, on some of the little dings and and dents. But yeah, most of that uh, most of that car is straight, uh, just not the fog light. But yeah. the rest of yeah, it is straight. The fog light's not straight, and one of the stripes isn't straight. Well, we can you can fix that in post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Like the car has kind of become the white and blue stripe Mustang. Like it's kind of become it. It never. I never liked it. And then after, as it's kind of grown, it's kind of like become the car. So if I changed it, it would feel like a different car, I feel. I don't know. Maybe. Yep. But, uh, yeah. Send your ideas in because anything is. Maybe, you know, maybe it's time you do inverse. Maybe you do a do Sonic Blue with a Wimbledon white stripe. Mm. Yeah. Or uh, I was thinking, have you guys seen the, uh, not to, to, to drag this on too long. Have you seen the Speed Hunters A86 that they did? Uh, three four years ago, they had a uh, an E80, not an A86. Sorry, it's a GT86, the uh, Cyan FRS BRZ, that was meant to be a retro kind of tribute to the A86 cars, and it had this really cool side stripe on it that was yellow, orange, and red in that kind of 80s theme, kind of with the fender mount mirrors and all of that stuff. I considered going that direction with the box body. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. it would look kind of cool. I've never seen one done with that kind of retro '80s vibe going on with some of the, like the uh, kind of the Starburst style wheels or the inky wheels. But the car looks really good, like it is right now. So it's kind of a kind of a tough spot, you know. Like I'm like I know that the reason that people like the car right now is because of the paint, the wheel selection, and just how straight it is. But it's, the other, it's know. unique as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just dropped something in the in the group chat here. Is that kind of is that the one that you're talking about? Is that the image? Uh, let me check here. Um, let's see, I'm trying to get it to load in a second. I think so. The red, the orange, the gold. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. That's really interesting. Well, we'll we'll put up a picture of the car and see if uh, anyone has any any thoughts on it. Yeah, uh, feel free to comment know. or whatever. Like, comment, subscribe, blah blah blah. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. Which I don't know. Apple Podcasts. I don't think they have that, do they? <laughs> no, but uh, downloads and uh, comments and reviews. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, this uh, brings us to the end of our 21st episode. Thank you for listening. Yeah, for sure. And if you never need to tow a Ford Escape, buy a 1950 Chevy. Yep. 
that that get that gets it done. Uh, so does a twenty twelve Focus that is, rental car. That is true. If, that's only if you need to tow a ninety five Mustang with a blown engine. <laughs> well, that's thirty hundred pounds of dead weight. So that's that's a good bit of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, most Mustangs are thirty eight hundred pounds of dead weight. Who? Hey. Ooh. Hey. Uh, excellent. Well, uh, I think that's probably our final thoughts. Um, so yeah, uh, follow us on Instagram at Garage Night. Uh, you can check out the family of other shows at Tiny Dog Podcast. Uh, we have some more stuff in the works. Um, and uh, so from all of us here, we'll wish you a good night. Good night, y'all. Good night, everybody. listening to the garage night podcast a special thanks for jeff tracy and annie tamlin for joining the show this week until next week keep turning wrenches